Welcome to the Hip Hop Minded Professional. With me, Joshua Rogers as the Master of Ceremonies. If you're interested in knowing how rapping, DJing, breaking, graffiti, and the hip hop culture can positively influence your mindset, then you are in the right place. On this podcast, I speak to various professionals with a background in hip hop and go into how this background influenced their mindset and careers. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to this episode. And today I'm speaking to... Yannick Jacob. Hey, Yannick. How's it going? (laughs) I'm good. Cheers, man. Cheers, cheers, cheers. So, how was your weekend? Uh, Weekend was good. It was a recuperation time. Um, I I work a lot of weekends now because uh, teaching happens a lot uh, on weekends uh, because uh, people work during the week and then... On the weekend, they, they come out and they learn and grow their minds. Um, so now uh, the weekends that are actually free from work, uh, I just uh, do very little and just recuperate. You know, there's a I found a cafe up the street uh, that's like a cactus shop with yeah. like a couple of tables inside. So it's like sitting in a jungle. Uh, it's fantastic. Oh, if you ever wow. come to East London, go to go to Clapton and. Go to the cafe, which name I don't even know. <laughs> you have to look for something that has to do with cactuses. Yeah, the Cactus Cafe, uh, just north of Hackney Central. <laughs> and for the people who don't know what you do, what is it exactly that you do? Oh, well, that's that's a big question, right? Uh, I'm I'm a multi-potentialite or, uh, you know, a guy with a portfolio career, if you want. Uh, you know, I, I have many interests. They... They tend to run under the coaching header, yeah. but really it's about helping people think more deeply, uh, navigate life better, grow, learn, you know, uh, become somebody who they want to be or do stuff that they like. Yeah. Um, and coaching is my, my main kind of tool or my main hat uh, that uh, that gets people to get there. Uh-huh. I'm a bit of a philosopher. I've uh, I've used to run the master's in coaching psychology at the University of East London. Yeah. So I got an academic background. Um, I, I studied positive psychology and uh, existential coaching. Yeah. So I added two masters and brought together questions around happiness, but also questions around uh, dread and angst and why do we always have so much anxiety as human beings uh, yeah, yeah. Our living our human condition. Aha. Um, I, I also do some mediation. So conflict resolution uh, is, is part of, of, my, uh, of my professional kind of uh, activity. Yes, yes. Um, I, uh, I I work more and more with organizations now because uh, I realized that uh, leadership qualities, they don't just affect people who want to lead their own lives uh, or their own families or their own book club, yeah. but also people who run organizations and countries and any groups of people, the, the kind of conditions yeah. are the same, the kind of uh, challenges on a human level that we have, yeah. they're all the same across the spectrum. So that's, that's kind of what I do now. I work with coaches, I work with... Uh, with leaders and, and managers and uh, how people resolve conflict. Um, and I help people to like, be happy and uh, also deal with all of the shit that life throws at you, yeah. which is pretty constant. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a, a constant flow, a constant barrage. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and um, uh, what really excited me about talking to you is that uh, about almost 10 years ago now, I've wrote my first, my, my second dissertation and my master's in positive psychology about hip hop and well-being and yes. motivation. Yes. So um, I, I at that point, because I do so many different things and you kind of have to drop some of them because, you know, you need to focus a little bit uh, if you want to make something happen. You <laughs> yeah, you need, to, you need at least focus on some things. You can't, you can't do a thousand things. Exactly. But one of the things I at some point really wanted to do is uh, become sort of a hip hop coach or somebody who uses uh, hip hop as a as a as a way as a means to develop yourself. Because through my research and through my personal experience, having grown up with hip hop, I know the potential for well being is enormous. But it always I always had that theory that it depends on why you got into it. it. You know, if you're just in it for the bitches and the money. Then, then you know then, probably then, gonna yeah, be less then, happy than if you're in it to channel your emotions or have a political voice or you know connect with like-minded people. So um, so how? So I researched how, that and studied it, and you're doing it. You know, <laughs> so you're kind of living my dream. Well, 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 well. You know what's um, what's what, now? They say coincidences don't exist. 
So when I came up with the idea of I'm going to use hip hop, the first thing everybody does, of you go Google. <laughs> so I started to Google and then I actually came upon your thesis and I was like, look, someone thought of the same thing that I'm thinking on. Uh-huh. And that's how the, that's, so that's how the, the ball started rolling. So then I connected to your LinkedIn and that now we're, that's, oh, that's at least two years ago. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I, I was like, okay, if uh, he thinks he, he thinks the same thing that I think, <laughs> and he, he actually took the time out and wrote it down, made made a thesis out of it. So I was like, okay, this this is really handy. <laughs> and similar respect, by the way, because I thought I'm just writing this down. Somebody needs to actually do this. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm just gonna write this down. Um, yeah, somebody's so you're doing it. You're so, just writing about it. <laughs> some, somebody's gonna do it. So no, but then uh, you know, for me, this also is it's like an extra, an extra boost. You know, you have you have an idea, and you're like, okay, I know what my idea is, but how can I bring this over to the rest? Mm-hmm. And then you Google, and they're like, oh look, somebody else had the same idea. This is this is possible. We, this this is possible. It can work. So that was really handy. And my question is. What is your hip hop background? Ha. Well, again, where to start? I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, me growing up in uh, kind of rural Germany. Not really rural, but like just outside Frankfurt, uh-huh. which is like I considered it a big city. But it's like what six hundred thousand back when I grew up, so it's it's kind of tiny. But and I was like forty five minutes outside, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe half an hour. So there's not that much going on. And uh, there was no ghettos and no knife crime. There were no guns. You know, there's like I grew up uh, kind of middle class, quite protected. Uh, You know, people weren't even beaten up or bullied that hard, you know. Uh, So I I didn't really relate to all of the gangster stuff Mm -hmm. uh, that came out there. This is uh, about 94, 95, 96. Yeah, yeah. I remember Fuji's The Score coming out and I'm like, that sounded cool. But like don't that they don't really tell stories that I can relate to because first of all I don't understand what they're talking about because I didn't speak English then. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I, I connected to the to the German hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. Um and that just seemed really relatable, really authentic. They were telling stories that I knew were happening in my life too, you know, yeah. some more, some less. But like it was pretty conscious and uh not not that um, the the stuff from New York wasn't conscious, it was very conscious, but just like not as relatable for somebody who grew up the way I yes, did. Exactly. So, and then I found I found people who were also feeling the same emotions towards life and towards trying to find your way and towards yes, relating to girls, uh, but also relating to other people in general, finding yeah. a way, finding a path. And uh, that I, I found I, I related it as, as it happens. You know, you you hear the music. I remember I was on the train and uh, one of my best friends at the time, uh, Stefan, uh, he he was like bouncing his head on like a field trip to the city. I'm uh-huh. like, Hey, what are you listening to? And he's like, Massive tournament. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> let, let me hear. And then I, I listened to this, to, to this really kind of mellow jazzy beats with yeah. some smooth, smooth raps on top of it. Like, wow, this is amazing. So I started listening to more and more and realized uh, they've got stories to tell. I can relate to. Yeah. And also I relate to the people that listen to those stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. more and more, I realized uh, the creative potential that this had. Um, soon after, we started kind of freestyling, you know, and we, we, me and my my friend connected. We started writing stuff together. After yeah. that, uh, we put together money for first turntable because the the instrumentals were like this was pre-internet. Yes, kind I, of pre, I know. Free finding beats on the internet. Yeah, yes, this is this, this is this is this is before before the internet is. Let me see. Yeah, you're approximately in the same same year zone that I uh, that I started. Uh-huh. Say I um I put my official start date as let's say in '96 when I was 16, uh-huh. and then just as you said, there there is no internet where you just go like let's go to YouTube and find a free beat. No, you. Uh, <laughs> You you, nope. you 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 might had to buy a turntable and then you had to buy vinyl. <laughs> yeah, or or you start rapping over the beats that you hear, or you buy singles because uh-huh. with the singles they used to have instrumentals 
some of them. So then you would go get a single and there's the instrumental on it. And then you would rhyme over that. Uh-huh. So yeah, it's I, funny. I never actually bought singles on CDs. There's there's something that really I had an aversion to CD singles, um, and then I bought so many twelve twelve inches in my life. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't like CD singles, but vinyl. Oh, <laughs> yeah, then you buy a lot of vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first the first three the first vinyls I bought were actually instrumental albums. Um, Jazz fudge, some uh, German German hip hop instrumentals. Um, yeah. So, like that's really how it started with freestyling, expressing yourself, getting together, having a good time. Yeah, exactly. And we needed some beats, so we bought a turntable, and then soon after we bought a second, and I got into DJing. Ah. And then, so uh, then more and more DJing became much more of a love for me because I was able to uh, to mix all of these different elements that I've had in my life uh, together. You know, yeah. and I mentioned I'm a bit of a multi-potentialite and do a lot of different things and. DJing allowed me to draw all of these different things and make them into one thing together. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, we produced an album at some point later down the line, and I sampled from so many different sources, and I absolutely love that. Yeah, you know, um, I, I loved writing lyrics and like, but like, I, I was never the person who absolutely bathed in a stage. You know, um, an MC is a master of ceremony, and yes. I, I was, I had a lot of love for poetry and for. You know, channeling your thoughts and spreading a message, but like there's some people are just natural connecting with the crowd, yeah, and that yeah. took me a long time to actually be uh, be comfortable on a stage and really connect with the people. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite an introvert, I like the thinking part, yes. and I, I'm not that expressive naturally. Yeah, yeah, um, ah, yes. And if you think on all of those things that you did and the lessons you took. Which one of the lessons or skills that you acquired helps you the most today? Oh, that's a good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is uh, that you can make something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, it like I, it took me a while to kind of uh, allow myself to not like I, I was a sucker for quality, you know. Yeah, I needed I, know it. I needed to get the wave file for the for the sample or the record, you know. I couldn't just sample it on MP3 because you know the quality was quality wasn't, wasn't so good. Yeah, it's, it's not it's yeah. not a hundred percent. Yeah, but the thing is that uh, the 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 most popular songs that I produced, and this includes me, my favorite songs that are, like they they are from a really shitty sample. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I realized that that shit doesn't matter. You know, it, yeah. it really is not that important how qualitative, what the quality standards of something are, because quality is not just quality is a, is a combination of all kinds of different factors. And if you hit a spot, you know, if it creates an emotion, if it creates an experience and a feeling, it really doesn't matter how good in quotation marks it yes. is you know, yes. by somebody else's quality standards, because there's so many rules that people tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's the same with life. People tell yep. you, you need to live life this way, or this is how you need to live or work in order to be successful. And really, bottom line, none of that stuff matters. It, it's, uh, yeah. if, you, if you're having fun and, you know, if, if you're doing something that's personally meaningful to you, uh, you can forge your own path in life and nobody can tell you that's the wrong way to live because in the end, there's just different. And you don't need the quality standards of somebody else in order to have banging quality yourself. Yes. And I think yes. the growth of hip hop and like is is testament to that. Because so much of this stuff really shouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff that you think that that, that how 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 does it work? That it, it, it this is not possible. For for example, I now I, I started to listen to hip hop in let let's say I would Let's say 92, 93. And I mm-hmm. seriously started to listen to hip hop. That's when Wu Tang came out. And then. That's. Ooh, didn't expect that sound. That's. Yeah, when what came out? When Wu Tang came out. Oh, yes. And then. Um, they, they, that, that, that. I saw Old Dirty Bastard. And. You know, you see, like, an, you see someone, a type of vibe, a type of energy. And for some odd reason, that works. That 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 is the the person you could say you admire, or something in that person connects with you. Mm-hmm. 
So Odo the Bastard was that guy for me. And from <laughs> that must have been a bit scary. <laughs> but you know, like now I I actually look back and then I start to analyze how or why is that? So now I'm older, like okay, but what about this guy? Is it that <laughs> pulled me in at that age? Mm-hmm. And then I started to think. I like to be different. Everybody's different in their own way, but like I that that is like one of my my strong strong beliefs like okay I'm I'm different I don't have to be like the rest of you guys you know in some kind of odd way I'll always do something that someone else doesn't do or for example in my um so when I went to high school we had uniforms and I would have an undershirt on and that would be white but I would, I would have a blue shirt on so what I would do is I would roll roll up the sleeve just a little bit so that the white comes out you see the white and the blue so just to make it different so i was like okay all of these things that i have is actually he embodies that the 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 total you know i do what i want to do um i don't care what you think this is how i think i'm just gonna roll with it i'm comfortable in my own energy and i'm just gonna go he basically embodies that so at that age that is what attracted me to him because he just did what he wanted to do it didn't matter what anybody else said or what anybody else thought he certainly did not care no he he did not care (laughs) he just he was let's say from the outside standards he looked perfectly fine within his own within his own energy and his own element and that's what really attracted me to him now looking back when when you're young you don't think in that way but now i look back at it it's like okay that's that's one of the reasons why i liked him yeah and lots of subcultures have this kind of being very different and making that okay because uh, as teenagers particularly we feel quite different you know and yeah. uh, i think it's quite common that we connect to them i mean punk is very similar goth like any subculture that is radically different to the mainstream is very attractive to somebody who feels a bit alien in the in their in their respective culture yeah or, oh, they... i think hip-hop has that particular sound that just caught my attention you know and i think this is where i, I think probably to some extent it's easy to slip into any kind of subculture um and perhaps i was just lucky enough to be surrounded by hip-hop at the right moment yeah that's good that, that could also be it that 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 it has to do with the with the timing for for example someone else might might be listening and maybe they're not into hip hop and they'll be like, no, but that's what that's what rock did for me. I was I was listening to that and it just connected with me. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's yeah, it, it all has to do with the different situations around it. And at that time, I I grew up in the Caribbean, and there, let's say reggae and dancehall was is the main thing. Yeah. So hip hop was actually again something that's different within that whole spectrum of sound so then then again for me it's like okay yeah it's it's different i I like that you know that's that's it's i have in in my brain it's like okay i just have to be different Mm -hmm. i have to be uh i have to be i i'm unique so i want to be unique i don't want to fall into no copy paste i just want to be able to do what i like to do be me Mm -hmm. And that's also one of the qualities my parents all said, okay, you know, you are you, just just be you. Mm-hmm. That's it, be you. you know? Yeah, and you, you have that in within hip-hop as well. I mean, I found so many different subgenres of hip-hop. Like, in, like, no matter who you are or how you are or you, what you are. You can you find know, something for you. If, you can find something to your liking. Yeah, and also you can be different within hip-hop. You know, I mean, the the development of hip hop. I mean, now we got mumble rap. It doesn't connect with me at all. You know, Um, but it connects with someone else. Someone else is like, yeah, this is I like this. Yeah. For and that could also be nostalgia. Just I've I've also analyzed that from, okay, what what triggers me to really be able to enjoy a Nas or a Jay-Z? But I can't really listen to 
let's say a quavo or or let's say what we the mumble rap how why is that you know you know you know somebody was sitting there uh, in all of that golden age stuff and they thought oh i don't want to be different yeah, exactly <laughs> I, I, everybody does this i want to i want to i want to do something else and yeah, then, which is fair play i respect yeah, it you which know, is i don't play. need to like it i don't need to connect with it uh, i don't need to engage with it and that's why a, a lot of stuff that comes out that, that i see or that i hear nowadays it's like I, i just don't connect to that anymore i connect to something else and also there's many different ways like at some point i, I was doing less and less music yeah you know and i was like djing less uh, and i was like i wasn't writing anymore i was like oh what's happening and i got a bit concerned in terms of well, am I losing my love for music? Well, what's happening with me? Yeah, But I yeah. realized, and this is uh, again connected to, to that piece of research, it, it was about the motivation, why I got into it. Yeah. And uh, connecting to people, expressing myself, having a voice, uh, these things I was able to do in different ways. You yes. know, through coaching, through writing, through academia, my, my book came out uh, a couple of months ago. You know, so I was able to express myself and show myself and connect to like-minded people in a different way. Because yeah. I realized a lot of the people in hip hop, they weren't as like-minded as me anymore. Yeah. So they, in a way, I kind of moved on, but I will never move on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. the it's, principles it's, it's are still exactly ingrained. the same. And the principles from hip hop I carry into the rest of my life. You know, the principles from DJing, are, it's all around integration. It's yeah. all around bringing different styles together and making them one. I've done that in academia. I brought existentialism and positive psychology together. Yeah. You know, I brought many different styles of coaching together. Um, I, I do that quite naturally, so I can now see that mixing has has is a is a pattern uh, yeah. throughout my life, and yeah. that it's, doesn't need to be music. It can be absolutely anything. It's really it's really uh, funny uh, what you say that mixing is a pattern throughout your life. I was uh, talking to a friend of mine. And then he was like, what did you want to be when you were young? So, for example, you say, like, I got into DJing and, you know, DJing was your thing. In a way, you're still a DJ. Yeah. But in another way, like, you're, you're, you're still DJing, but you're not using records. Now you're, let's say, DJing with the thoughts of others. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not necessarily playing many gigs anymore. I still. I still play a few a year. But like, I. I might not be uh, DJing for six, seven, eight hours a day uh, yeah. in my basement anymore. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm still mixing. You're still. You know, mixing. I'm still carrying the principles and uh, everything that I did on records or turntables. I, I take what I've learned there and I'm carrying it out into life. So it's. It's much more of a philosophy than it is a practice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and you know that's uh, that's the same thing with me. You know, when uh, I think back and I was like, okay, what is the things I liked? So I was a a rapper, and but besides that, just like you, I consider myself a multi potentialite because um, I do like ten thousand things. I also draw. I like to draw, and then my idea was okay. I'm I'm gonna be an architect. You know, if 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 this rap thing doesn't work, I'm going to be an architect. Yeah, different kind of architecture. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> same so, principles, right? It's the same principles. You know, the same principles. So now, in in my case, I did not become an architect, and I'm also not officially a rapper. I still rap once in a while, but now I'm actually doing both things at the same time. I get to hmm. use the the love for hip-hop that i have and in a way you know i get to help people architect you know build their own lives as a coach so then you know i still do what i love to do but in another form different houses you're yeah. still building still creating still creating you know? still creating now i think now i'm probably creating more important houses let's let's put it <laughs> like that you know i find uh i i find people is The, the most important thing that there is you know you you some people don't don't realize it themselves but they themselves are the most important thing mm, that's that a, there is that's a pretty rich metaphor of building houses and building people yeah you know thinking about foundations because like if once you've laid the foundation in a house you can't change that you unless you're yeah. doing something like a major incision and 
really breaking things up, it's usually not not worth. You might as well destroy the whole house. <laughs> you know? it's, so, it's it's like it's like the meme with the spider. Okay, well we we have to burn the whole house down now. You know? <laughs> yeah, and with people, I think it's the same. Like once the foundation is set, some of our foundations they they tend to they tend to be stable over time. Yeah. You know, like attachment style, uh, for example. You know, that is formed so early yeah. in our life that we we won't be ripping it apart unless we we do some serious damage to the house and then you know yeah um, you, you, you so, have to really really shake it up you know you have to uh yeah and some people draw lots of stuff and lots of different things and then they start building their house other they just kind of start building stuff and then correct it as we go along yeah yeah, yeah i probably could talk about that metaphor just for an hour <laughs> <laughs> i like it yeah but that's the architect like, so the, and then I'm, I'm quite sure i'm now thinking you say the architect and I'm, then i'm thinking i know there is at least a rapper or producer that's, uh, that has that side name. And I'm not... I was thinking as well, uh, DJ Logilo. I think there's a French DJ. Uh, I got a, this break records from him. Um, he called himself the architect. Okay. I think yeah. there's another couple of producers as well. Yeah. No, but and, and let's say for your DJing, eh? you DJ, did you also... DJ like in front of in front of huge crowds. What what how how did it look like back in the day for you? <laughs> back in the day, well, back in the day, uh, I DJed for huge crowds, usually uh, two three people in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and in the beginning, people had to literally shake me in order to get my attention because you know um, talking about flow states and positive psychology. Yeah. You know, when you're completely immersed in what you're doing, um, I've learned flow states from DJing. Yeah. Because uh, as I was trying to beat match and try to do a complicated mix or something, um, yeah, I just you could stand right next to me and scream into my ear. I wouldn't hear you, not because the headphones were so loud, just because I was You're so immersed in the Zoom. what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I told you I didn't really do that for large crowds. So um, I did like mixing. So I took mixing opportunities, but I, I'd like to mix like really chilled out music as well. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So Hip hop was always some of it, but I really really loved like trip hop ambient downbeat kind of stuff uh, slow and mellow and yeah. uh, so i dj'd in like um, uh, cocktail bars or little chill out areas or something like that um, and then started djing um, for, for some of our gigs or um, i had freestyle sessions quite mm -hmm, a lot mm -hmm. so just djing djing beats and uh, some of them uh, have a lot of rappers around but like freestyle sessions are not really the stuff that draws huge crowds yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the real real crowds I've only started to have when I was DJ when I moved to London and uh, I got more involved in the rave scene here. I yeah. lived in a in an artist area called Hackney Wick for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, so there we had a big sound system in the living room and the neighbors were doing big parties and uh, you know then there's a couple of hundred people or something. Uh, sometimes there was a bigger event and then I met a, quite a few people. Uh, one of my friends are involved in the festival scene here in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now this this uh, this summer I was DJing at Boomtown, um, one of the stages there. Uh, the capacity was like six, seven thousand people. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I didn't have that because it was a daytime gig. Um, but now now it can get to like really big stages. Um, yeah, that's the so kind of kind of group. Um, but like in my experience, I, I've never decided that I wanted to do this for a living. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was basically uh, gigs uh, with friends, off friends, stuff I've organized, stuff where yeah. I was involved in the organization. Um, I've never made it a, a profession. I, I knew that I had the skills in order to do that. Uh, but then you need to like be really focused on you know making friends with the right promoters. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't want. I never wanted to compromise. Because I think uh, I think a good DJ will have a conversation with a crowd, yeah. and uh, the style of music that I was into was just uh, kind of eclectic. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew I needed to create a niche for myself where people come to specifically hear that kind of thing. So I just turn up turn up at a random party and I start playing my music. Uh, I, I knew in the UK drum and bass really worked, yeah. you know. But the stuff that I really wanted to to play to people, you know. Um, you would need to create it their own event yeah and yeah. i knew that was possible but i didn't i didn't put the legwork in to make that happen um so that that's one of those decisions it's like i know i could make this happen if i just focus everything i have on it yeah um, and i'm like no i'm gonna keep this for myself okay. you know um so i still absolutely love djing 
Um, I, I just don't need to, I didn't want to do it as a profession. I didn't want to mix up my rent money with, with you know, my, my, uh, creative freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at some point, any art, every artist will come to some point where you have a choice to make compromises and get your career in a certain direction. Or if you don't make compromises and perhaps going to work out for you because you didn't make any compromises and you stayed completely authentic, yeah. but chances are you have to. Uh, do some compromising along the way here and there. And I, I didn't want to be in a situation where I, I had to compromise my authentic self for a career move for to career pay move. rent or yeah. build a build a successful career, you know? And um, so so that said, you know, that you, you said, okay, I'm not going to mess up, let's say, let's say I'm not going to combine my creative brain with my my rent money. Let's say now your rent money is in the coaching, but all of your experiences that you have had DJing, it could be for small crowds or at stages at daytime festivals, that experience still flows into your rent money. <laughs> And how do you see that flow going? Now that you you're, you're thinking on it, of okay, yeah, that's that's a point. How 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 do you see that 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 creative flow work within your coaching? Already, you've already mixed actually two coaching elements into let's say into one. Hmm. What else besides the mixing now also has an influence on everything that you do? Well, I think there's a couple of questions in there, so. I think I think the flow will keep on going. Like whether you are aware of it or not, mm -hmm. I think the experiences that you have made in the past will always influence you in some way or another yeah. in your professional activity. Um, if it's if it's somewhat creative, you yeah, know, so yeah. you kind of follow scripts. But if you're doing anything creative with some degree of freedom, I think who you are and uh, who you have become as a result of the experiences in the past that have shaped you will always have an influence on how you do things. Yeah. Um, I think it was a old Zen master that once said, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. everything. Yeah. So I, I really, I really love that because it, it goes to show that like everything that you are is going to show in, in the things that you do authentically. Yeah. Um, so I really, I really do like that. And whether you pay tribute and respect to um, how you've become the person you are now, um, if you mention or reference any past experiences or not, it doesn't really matter, yeah. you know? So, um, I, I like to be quite reflective and, uh, look at how I have become the person I am today, but many people are not, they're just kind of going forward and they're just kind of going with the flow. And sometimes they don't need to understand how they uh, got there. Yeah. I'm the person that they are now, uh, in order to go forward. And that's okay as well. I'm, I'm just kind of that person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another question in there. I don't, quite remember oh that's a that's that's a good one because <laughs> my my brain already flowed past past the questions <laughs> so, <laughs> true freestyle <laughs> yeah 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 that's um that's that's one of the things i actually uh still love it's, it's uh, important they will resurface yeah it, it will resurface somewhere again it uh, will be we'll be speaking <laughs> later on and i'll be like oh yeah it was that question <laughs> and then from there we'll go and yeah where's your mind now My mind. Well, actually, my mind is now at the at your thesis, or your let's say your your paper that you wrote. So how how did it? How did you start thinking of? Yeah, I'm just going to use hip hop to write this paper, and see how far it's going to go from there. Hmm. Yes, I was I was in the middle of my master's in applied positive psychology. Mm -hmm. um, it. I was, you know, I was skating to university and my big long board and I had long hair and like, I think I was the second youngest on my course. Uh -huh. the, the course only existed at the time in Pennsylvania and in London. Uh, and I, I'm, I got into cohort two. So it was kind of brand new. Uh, nobody really had heard of positive psychology, yeah. science of research, of, of well-being and, and, and happiness and everything that's right with people. And I'm like, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, well, you have to do a piece of research because it's a master of science, right? So uh, I was thinking about what do I want to research? What do I want to know about? What do I want to find out about? Um, And given that I had uh, chosen this course with no particular plan on what's going to come after, uh, just follow the call of something that I found really interesting and really curious about um, and very grateful that I was able or in a position to choose something just because I'm really curious yeah. without a necessarily strategy towards success. Yeah. You yeah. know, there, there were no jobs, uh, that, uh, that you got because you have a degree in positive psychology. Yeah. yeah. You heard about it. Um, but it was fascinating. So, um, I was in that, I'm telling you because I was in that kind of, uh, in that kind of mindset of just doing what I feel like, Yeah. you know, um, I was a, what I call a dynamic drifter. I had a, I had an idea of where I'm going at that point, perhaps even less because I hadn't, no, I had, I had found coaching yet. So during that master's, I had connected with coaching yeah. as a profession. I was interested in psychotherapy initially because I, I liked the psychological contact and yeah. it seemed like something that wouldn't get boring yes. um, ever <laughs> because it's people. Yeah, and it's people. Boring. Um, so I knew I had a direction with coaching, but I was kind of just taking all the opportunities that came along the way. So very much in the mindset of I'm just doing what I'm interested and curious about. Yeah. So... Um, you know, I I, ha- I mentioned I had that theory that uh, if you're doing hip hop for the right reasons, yes. and right I put in quotation marks for those of you who are listening, um, because there isn't really any right and wrong. But what I considered the right reasons, you know, the ones that surely would mean that you get more out of hip hop yeah. than if you're doing it for extrinsic reasons, you know. Yes. Um, so I wanted to to see if there's something to it. And uh, with a sign, put my scientific hat on. I'm like, well, I can test this. I can make a, a hypothesis, and I can probably, hopefully, find some literature. Uh, That's going to back the it up. Academic literature was very thin. Yeah, there was only a few books um, that, and a few meta analyses. There was, was not that much. So I'm like, ah, there's so there's not much there. I can actually really contribute something yeah. to science and to the knowledge and raise some more awareness. To, uh, and show all the people who think hip hop is what you see in the mainstream media. Yeah. Uh, hip hop is all about you know gangsters and uh, everybody's a dick and yeah. rapping yeah. about how rich they are and demeaning women and the misogyny and like it 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 had a pretty bad press with people who I knew if they if they knew what hip hop was really about, about yeah. for me <laughs> and for so many other people that I connect with they would see what a positive influence that can have. On, on young people, on young people yeah. who are struggling to find themselves in a in a really difficult, uh, you know, complex, uncertain, ambiguous, uh, complex world. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to, so I wanted to, um, I had a, a meaning kind of aspect to it. So I'm like, okay, let's let's do some research and see if that actually is true. Um, and uh, that's how the idea came about well, to, yeah. to research not just hip hop music but hip hop culture. So including including uh, graph, graph, dancing. Yeah. Um, perhaps even beatboxing, producing, like uh, hip hop culture grew so much. Yeah. So it had to be acknowledged, I thought. Yeah, no. Like, um, I, uh, I agree with you. Like, hip hop gets, it's, it even still gets a pretty bad rap most, most of the time. And what I actually uh, started to do is people then who love, who love hip hop who are really into the scene, they don't only listen to the singles and the videos you see on TV. They, uh, they, you go into the albums. Albums are totally different than that one single that actually needs to produce a lot of spins so you can get a lot of money. You know, but the album is usually totally different. And I started listening more to the interviews. Even if I don't listen to the music of that person... I tend to go listen to the interview. Because That's the in, culture, right? <laughs> yeah, because it out of the interviews is where you actually get closer to the mind of the guy behind the music. It could mm-hmm. be that I'm not going to listen to his album because his single was not my thing. For example, Mumble Rap, not my thing. But then when you see an interview with the guy... you. Then you get to see more the the brain behind of it. Yeah. You get to see the see, reasons, the motivations. But I see if if that is the case, I think the artist somewhat failed. 
You know, if you need to listen to the interview because he can't tell you who he is in the music, I think the, the people are doing something wrong. Because I, I need to figure out who who a rapper is by not having ever listened to any interview ever. If if they're very different in an interview than in their music, I'm like, what? What? what, what? This is this can't. This is not authentic, or at least not fully authentic, because there's something else that you that you are, how you think, how you think, you yeah. But, your lyrics, you know what I mean? But the the thing is, let's say, for example, I mean, we're from, let's say, the the old school now now we're old school guys as, 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 as old as, as old school guys you know we're not really quickly gonna listen to a, an album from a new guy because we might hear his first single and be like okay this this is not for me yeah forget about it so you you would get um, so the, then I, who this person is. You just don't like listening to the music. Yeah, so exactly. So so then gotcha. you you're not listening to the music. So then you're actually missing who the person is. Yeah, and you're still interested in the person. You just don't like the music. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still. It, but that's maybe maybe that's also why I'm in coaching. I like the, I like the person behind. You know the yeah. the the let's say I think it's in in Jap I think it's a, in Japanese where they have that everyone has. I think it's three masks. You have your public, your public persona. You have the persona within, let's say, your 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 family, and then you have the persona that you are. For example, when you're home, totally alone. You know, you don't have to you don't have to think on anybody or or whatever. You know. So I like to I like to dig behind those personas to see to get as close as possible to the persona that the person is when he's home alone and he doesn't have to think or worry about any anybody or anything else interesting yeah and also in in the interviews then i try to see okay what the glimpse glimpse what is there behind that person of course you know you really have to have a good interviewer also to get closer to where the 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 thought or the mind state of that person is Mm-hmm. that's what i like that's that's what i like to see so i can for for example a six nine that his music is not really my thing who's that six nine mm-hmm. the, the rainbow color guy you know <laughs> you know for me when i saw him i was like okay uh this this is visually this this doesn't you know it, it short circuits my brain <laughs> you know but then you get an interview with the guy and he's still kind of you know wild crazy out there but then there's still certain things that he says and you're like okay oh yeah i can find myself in that oh yeah okay 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 not saying that and all of a sudden I'm, I'm gonna listen to his music but you know i get more more of an understanding of mm. what makes the clock tick yeah see i think this is super important because i i found that almost anything that you dig into uh, at depth that you are aiming to understand as soon as you have that kind of context you can actually appreciate the art in a very different way. Yeah. You know, once you really like the person, you might actually find that you can listen to six nine music or art. You know, um, with that kind of understanding. Uh, for example, scratching is one of those things that most or uh, free jazz is another one that yeah. most people just they they just like as if you just play somebody uh, like a Cubert tape from twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just it's just noise. It's like it's just it doesn't make any sense it doesn't really compute but once you have an understanding of the complex moves behind making that kind of sound possible you know you start to appreciate the excellence and the practice that went into it yeah and you start appreciating the context of like oh yeah they were just trying to think about aliens and what they might sound like you know and then yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, so that on these djs get together and they make noise and then all of a sudden noise transforms into something that you can really appreciate because you have the context. Yeah. You know, if you watch a game of football and, you know, whether it's American football or, um, or uh, original football, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you football don't know football. the rules, yeah. you don't know the rules, it doesn't make any sense. It's completely boring. My first game of American football that I watched, I was like, this just doesn't give me anything. But once I developed a bit of an understanding by spending a year in the States and talking to a bunch of, of, of American football players yeah. and the tactics that go into it, and like it's so complex and it's so interesting. 
and once you understand the rules and once you understand uh, the game then all of a sudden it becomes really interesting yeah uh, I, I don't watch much american football but I, I realized that that shift and when somebody learns about scratching or they learn about a person then they can take the art or the results that they produce and put that into the context where it becomes you can really appreciate it yeah you know and all of a sudden i started liking some music that i didn't like before at all uh just because i had the context yeah because you 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 know basically also the effort and the 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 work that that goes into it yeah i can respect that you know, I, might, i might not like it but i can definitely respect yeah, it, it it might not be your flavor but you can definitely respect it and yeah. that's also one of the things that i apply to people you know that's with with people it's even more important because you for example maybe you have a co-worker and in the beginning you're like, oh, i hate this guy this oh man this guy sucks but you the more you get to know let's say the person behind the guy who's at work then you start right. to appreciate more things and then you 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 connect on a different level doesn't mean you you find that guy awesome but <laughs> at least because you understand his they say his thought pattern or where he comes from yeah, you can drop the, all your negative emotions yeah, towards you, that person you can forgive that person or you can just let them be you don't need to like them or even talk to them if you you know you can still disagree with their views but exactly. at least you have some compassion and empathy with what that what that per, who that person is and where they came from and what yeah. made them person they are now you know if you understand why somebody if you understand why somebody is doing this sh shitty behavior that they're that they're exhibiting you know you, you still can still disagree and it's still important to put boundaries but at least you can uh, you can relate to somebody on an empathic level in terms of ah okay i ah, see why yes. you do this i still disagree with it but you know oh you know if you learn about somebody's upbringing or what somebody had to go through or why somebody formed certain views or adopted certain habits or behaviors um you you, you can at least show uh, social compassion and you can relate to them on a human level right yeah exactly and that's and that's also for how how is it with you 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 being a coach how do you cope with cope I'm going to use I'm going to use the word cope because I can't think of another word at the moment with people who are let's say in in your allergy zone in my energy zone allergy so you have um, that that that's that's the the minus to your positive right so the people that trigger me the people that yeah. uh, already disagree that that, with that, that irritate you how how yeah so in coaching it's really interesting that's part of why I really like the profession because if i get really triggered that is super interesting yeah yeah um, and then as a as a practitioner as a coach i have to make a decision whether this is my shit is this is this uh, am i being triggered because you know they remind me of my brother and my brother always used to do that thing <laughs> yeah 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 that's why i'm being triggered or is there something in the dynamic between the two of us me and my client right now yeah. for example i had a I had a moment when uh, when i felt kind of threatened Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I felt uh, I got defensive and like I noticed all of these this stuff bubbling up yeah. as I was sitting with a client. And uh, I, I I just I, I looked into it like I asked myself whether this is, you know, some kind of projection or some kind of transference. Yeah. Um, but then I decided I think this is between the two of us. And uh, I decided to share it because uh, my, my approach is relational. It's humanistic. It's yeah. you. You show up authentically, right? Yeah, you, you, you're, uh, you're not the perfect guy, so yeah. But uh, no, what I mean is, the, you're courageous enough to bring your own experiences and emotions yeah. into the room. So I was sharing that I had those feelings, which is a difficult thing to share yeah. when you're feeling uh, triggered and defensive and threatened. You know, you you don't want to accuse somebody of threatening you, but at the same time, you're coming. If you approach it from a from a perspective of curiosity, mm -hmm. you know, it's like something really interesting is happening in me. You know, I'm having these experiences and these feelings, and I'm super interested and curious about why that's happening in our dynamics. Because it's, I noticed it. This is the second or third time mm -hmm. that this is happening. You know, and uh, then the client was actually able to uh, resonate with that, and it's like, oh yeah, that that keeps happening to me with other people. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I, I I've seemed to have a threatening effect on people, and I have no intention of threatening anybody, or yeah, I don't even yeah. like to be threatening. 
it's not my like I don't really like this, but it gave us a chance to start talking about it. Yeah, you know, and uh, we looked at it together, and like there was something about the, his body language and the the way that he got offensive, and then he raised his voice a little bit, and we we were able because of me sharing this, we were able to explore his background in terms of. Um, oh, there was something in the family in terms of the, the relationship with the dad yeah. um, about, you know, then friends. And he got into a habit. He learned that raising his voice would get him what he wants. Yeah. And it was useful up to a certain point. And, you know, this can be quite therapeutic. And we're talking about, yes, what's your relationship with your dad here and what that triggered. So the, the lines between coaching and therapy can be quite blurry yeah. in that sense. But sharing what's going on between me and the client when I get triggered, when I meet my allergy zone, if you if you yes, um, yes. To use those words, exploring what's going on between that person and me right now, whether that's something to do with me and my past or whether that's something to do with the dynamic between me and the client. Yeah, that opens up conversations you would not normally have because other people don't tune into themselves yeah. and you in that way. So that's why coaching is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, while you were saying that, what popped into my mind, it's like uh, you said, hip hop usually gets a uh, gets a pretty bad rap most of the time. Do you think that this also has to do with, let's say, the context of most of the stuff that is discussed in, let's say, a bulk of of hip hop? lies within the allergy zone irritation zone of the rest of society mm. i i do think hip-hop confronts us with some of the kind of drives that we have that we don't perhaps like to acknowledge in ourselves mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know that uh materialism is quite strong um you know fame is quite strong yeah what i found in my research which was interesting is that fame seems to not have the negative connotations within hip-hop than they have in other areas of life yeah um so that was just interesting uh what emerged from the data but like i think when somebody talks about desperately wanting to get rich and famous and to belong and to be more powerful and to destroy their opponents and uh you know all of that stuff that seems quite violent that they're talking, they're giving voice to something that is quite genuine in them. Yeah. You know, uh, especially if it's oppressed youth and they're trying to find their place and fight the injustice. You know, there's something there. I, I was never that kind of oppressed youth, even though I felt oppressed, but I can't possibly compare myself yeah. uh, to, to what was going on for other people because I was still growing up quite privileged. Yeah. But like, I think the, the darker sides or the, the, the sides of hip hop that you're mentioning that often get criticized, you know, of like violence uh, against women and violence in general. And like all of that stuff is is real to some extent if the rapper is authentic. For example, yep. uh, um, uh, Marshall Mathers, Slim Shady's first, um, first the Slim Shady LP is not the yep. first album, but like second technically. But the Slim Shady LP the, the, the was very the authentic. First, yeah, the first album very, for the mainstream, yeah. Yeah, but it was very authentic and very real, even though the stories were completely fabricated. Yeah. Like, they weren't completely fabricated because it was his mind. Yeah. You know, he didn't really uh, put his, what was his girlfriend? In, into in the, the trunk, trunk of the car, yeah. Into an ocean. That's, that's, that didn't happen, but it did happen in his mind. Yeah. So in that sense, it was very authentic because he gave voice to an urge to something that was going on inside of him, a struggle, a challenge, you know? So in that sense, it was super authentic. Um, but like, so I think it can be uh, like, we can get scared when we meet somebody who gives voice to some, some very dark thoughts that we tend to suppress. Yeah. You know, because on, on some level, at some moments, we all tend to want fame and power and we have violent thoughts. And then, you know, if we're good human beings, we're like, just like, whoa, that was a pretty violent thought. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm obviously not going to act on this, but it, it tells you something. It opens a door and into a potentially quite scary place uh, because we, we tend to not want to see some of our darker sides and our darker urges. And we, we tend to suppress the anxieties that we have. And if we are uncertain, we just convince ourselves that we're certain and then it's easier to make decisions. Yeah. You know, so I think part of that uh, people were scared about because as mainstream, as hip hop entered more of the mainstream, um, because people resonated with it, 
I think uh, the older generation got pretty scared because they were giving voice to something that they'd rather not look at. Yeah. Or perhaps that they felt alien with because they came from a different generation, not so ready to rebel, or perhaps they kind of buried that part in them. So I think that's why um, people can get quite scared of, of people saying radical stuff in their, in their art. And um, do you think, because they say hip-hop is one of the few, I'm not going to say it only, it's one of the few, let's say, music streams where the person writes his own lyrics. For example, a singer, somebody writes it for them and they sing in you, a lot of cases. You, you think that hip-hop is one of the few genres where people write their own lyrics? Yeah, okay, then you have singer-songwriter, but let's say one of the few, yeah, I think it's one of the few. The, really? The... Oh, no, I, I really, I, I couldn't disagree more. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, particularly um, productions, if it mm -hmm. becomes like mainstream pop music, there's writers involved because it's a product. Uh, yeah. But like across every genre, everywhere, uh, an authentic musician has to write his own lyrics and... Uh, Every authentic musician that I know writes their own lyrics. Okay. But that's my experience. That's um, your experience. Do okay. you have a different experience? Yeah, yeah. And then do they also share as much, as you say, let's say, uh, the, the, their darker thoughts? For Okay, let's say an Eminem, he's like, that. that's almost the pinnacle of darker thoughts, let's say, especially the first one when he was really, you know, he was really in that, dark song do you notice that in maybe other genres of music where you listen to that you can follow the, the path of this person for example from from dark to happy place hmm. as much in their music as in hip-hop i think Hip hop gives you much more of a of an insight into who somebody is because it's so storytelling uh, focused and mm -hmm. because you have a lot more space to express yourself with words, you know. And uh, I'm quite a wordy guy, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm less visual than others, perhaps. Uh, I like I like storytelling. I, I listen to a lot of hip hop because it gave me this insight into who somebody is and how they think, yeah, you know, yeah. because. Uh, how like very often um, uh, a song in like rock music or in punk or something like that, um, it's very limited in terms of what you can say. And because um, of its, uh, because it's, it's sung with the way it is presented, mm -hmm. it is often obscured. And like most of the music that I listened to before hip hop, I didn't really listen to the music, uh, to the, to the lyrics. Um, partly it's because of the language, but like, um, I listened to the feeling and the experience and in hip hop, I was much more focused on the actual words and what they were saying. Yeah. There was also an experience, but like the lyricism was something that really got me. So yeah, yeah. I think that's why in hip hop, you are able to, to, to get more of an insight into who that person is and how they think, yeah. because it's, uh, it's very obvious very often in terms of how, what they tell stories. And if it's somebody who's authentic, who I know, uh, is telling me stuff that's real for them. You know, uh, there's many rappers, the ones that I like, the, the conscious ones, you know, that they tell you how they think and they tell you how they think politically and romantically and uh, and um, uh, philosophically and psychologically, you know. you They make sense of the world as they are writing. Yeah. You know, something has happened to them and they write lyrics to get over it. You know, I, I wrote lyrics about breakups and about, challenging situations and about philosophical questions that I've had and uh, periods in my life that were really shit or like being excluded or trying to find your place. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really difficult to, to write poetry around that, that is so clear around what you're thinking, you know, because in, in most other genres of music, you uh, take these thoughts and then you put them into these often obscure lines of text and sometimes very off, obvious, but like you have so many more words to put flesh to a, to yeah. the skeleton of what you're thinking, you know? So I think that's why you have much more of an insight into rappers than you have insights into many other musicians. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that said, with all those insights that you gained, let's say, listening to the music that you listened to, did that help you in any way with getting, with let's say, your process of getting insights in, in the clients you work with now? Um, I think the main thing that it taught me is to really listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think listening is the, the most, like creating a space where somebody can express themselves and you listen to it. Yeah. Um, developing an appreciation for anybody, no matter how different they might seem. You know, I think uh, people who come from the hip hop world, they, they appreciate somebody no matter how different they are. Yeah. You know, and I think when I meet somebody, they will notice that they're not getting judged on any level. They're just being respected as a human being trying to navigate this world and express themselves. And uh, even an appreciation for the difference. Embrace your funk is something that uh, that I, I say quite often. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm some Josh Wade skin. It's like embrace the stuff that's different about you. You know, and with so many people in the world, even as I've learned a lot about marketing and sales and things, kind of things, and it's like our attention is drawn to to people who are different. Yeah. You know? So it's difficult to be different because we also have this innate need to belong to a group to and a group. be accepted. And the more similar we are, the more we like each other and the more safe we feel. Yeah. But actually, the more different we are, the more we turn heads and get people's attention which is gold in, an, in a time when we try to uh, uh, tell a story or make a difference. So we have this interesting paradox of wanting to belong and fit in, but at the same time, we also want to be different and get people's attention. So it's a courageous path when you find yourself to be quite different, to, to not hide it, but to own it and be proud of it and get it out there. Yeah. Because you will get criticisms of people who are either scared or just disagree, you know, and they, they kind of try to put you down or make you fit in. So they, they're not, uh, they're not exposed or, or confronted by your different views. And then they have to challenge their own. Yes. You know, it's uncomfortable to be challenged. It's uncomfortable to meet somebody who's very different to you. So uh, I think hip hop has in that way, been uh, a major influence because uh, it's important that it's there because it confronts people with different views. Yeah. So we need different views in order for us to grow. So in that sense, it helps me to meet people when clients come in the room because I'm I'm not afraid to be authentic. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to say things as as I experience them but from a position of curiosity and interest. Yeah, yeah. And I value that somebody's different and I value my own difference. And I think through getting together uh, as two people with different opinions, each respecting that you are different, that's an opportunity to grow. And that's the coaching space where you're being challenged very respectfully uh, on your views. So you have to perhaps question some of them and you know, you might change them or you might not change them, Yeah. but we need somebody who's different and courageous enough to be different in order to be able to grow. And on that note, I was looking at the time. I find that's the perfect way to end the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so too. <laughs> we could talk about for hours. <laughs> we could Maybe talk, we for, we could talk for hours. There's, a, there's like a lot more. We'll have to do a part two. Cool. So, well, if you want to read the study, um, it's on my website in the resource section. It's uh, it's www.existential.coach. And you'll find it under under research in the resource section. So if you want to read that, I'd be, I'd be interested in your thoughts. It's now almost 10-year-old data. Um, I never got it uh, properly published because, you know, I had to cut it down from like uh, 24,000. No, it was 28,000 words. And then I had to hand in 14. And for publication, it needs to be cut down to seven. And I'm like, oh, fuck that. <laughs> like, no, that this, this um, good like this. this. This is it. Yeah. But you can read it there. Um, you know, Joseph is a fantastic coach. If anybody wants to uh, harvest the power of hip hop and being different, uh, go check this guy out. Or obviously, you, I'd be you. happy to to have some consultations and see and um, where... any coaches out there. I do supervision. So uh, if you're interested in growing your coaching skills, that's something that uh, I'd love to help you with. 
And where, and where can they find you? Uh, like I said, on my website, uh, I also have a supervision-focused website that's mm -hmm. called uh, rocketsupervision.com. Mm -hmm. um, there's a whole rocket metaphor going on, and I'm happy to, to tell you about it another time. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for uh, having me. Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome speaking to you. Yeah, and uh, please keep doing what you do because I really, I really appreciate your work. And uh, there's so much positive potential in hip hop and in utilizing it, so much potential for personal growth. So I'm so happy that you're opening that space up for people within hip hop culture, no matter what kind of music they're into. Yeah, exactly. You know, the it's uh, still the same. And the, and the, that's a, that's the important thing. You know, it's uh, it's the, it doesn't matter what kind of music you're into. It's just all about uh, like the lessons you get and. Um, It's all about the journey. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's that's what life is. Life is one long journey, and it's all about the journey. And like we said uh, before, the more let's say the more inputs you get from everywhere, yeah, the the broader your journey can take, the more paths you can follow. Mm -hmm. and cool. That's, that's about it. Nice one. Shout out yes. to Africa Bambata. <laughs> <laughs> sharp, sharp, sharp. <laughs> nice well, one. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this was uh, this episode and uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hip Hop Minded Professional. Make sure to subscribe at your favorite streaming platform so that you don't miss the next episode. And make sure to visit hiphopculturecoaching.com for more information on how hip hop helps your mindset.